Hello, this is Bill Myers for the New Jersey Urban News. Today, we have with us Mr. Al Letson, who is a host of a seven-part podcast series entitled Mississippi Goddamn. It is a very compelling journey um, and in a piece of investigative reporting, and um, it, it's pretty phenomenal. I have had the benefit of, of watching numerous of these episodes, and I am absolutely intrigued, and I'm glad to have Al with us here today. Let's welcome him. Welcome, Al. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. You're so welcome. You're so welcome. So tell me about Mississippi Goddamn. Let's just start with sort of an overview and, and a better explanation of what the series is, and then we'll take it from there. Sure. Um, so Mississippi Goddamn is uh, the story of a young man, uh, Billy Joe Johnson, who uh, died uh, in 2008, December 2008. And um, I stumbled across the story uh, in 2011. Uh, and the official version is that Billy Joe was pulled over by a police officer. Um, it was an early morning. It was still dark. It was like five something in the morning. Uh, and about five minutes after he got pulled over, he was dead. And according to the official version, um, Billy Joe... Uh, either accidentally or intentionally pulled out a shotgun and killed himself. Um, and so that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me when I first heard the story. There's, there was a whole lot of other things that I was being told. And, um, you know, in 2011, I, I made a promise to uh, members of his family that I would look into uh, what happened. And it took me a long time to... Uh, have the resources and the ability to actually dive in and look into it. Uh, you know, I, I told them I would look into it in 2011, um, and I really did not have the ability to do it until probably like 2018. Mm. Uh, and the reason is, is because like this was a deep, heavy investigative uh, case. And in order to do something like that, you need resources and people. Um, and when I first went to Mississippi, I was with a very small news organization. Uh, I mean, we literally had five people. Um, and there was no way we could have done it. Um, and then in the meantime, I, I joined another organization, Reveal, um, and I'm the host of it. And uh, and so Reveal is a investigative news. That's what we do. And we, we've got a pretty deep bench. And so, uh, yeah, so my boss gave me the resources, uh, gave me a reporting partner, Jonathan Jones. And, uh, and him and I worked on this case for three years. Wow. Yeah, that's... Uh, so So what was it that drew you to it? Yet another, you know, slain young black man and, and uh, suspicious circumstances and... Yeah, I mean, you know, um, so I'm originally from Plainfield, New Jersey, um, okay. but I moved to Jacksonville, Florida when I was 11. Um, and actually I moved to like a, a, a small town outside of Jacksonville, which is called Orange Park and, uh, and Orange Park, especially back then was definitely like uh, a good old boy town. Um, and, uh, the police as a teenager, you know, the police could be pretty rough, uh, growing up and you'd see all the white kids get away with whatever. Um, but black kids, like you, you, you couldn't even like hang out with your friends without being harassed. 
And, you know, I saw some pretty rough things. And I just, um, I don't know, like hearing uh, Billy Joe's story, it just reminded me of like where I grew up. Uh, and then also like we hear these stories all the time in the news. Um, and I just felt like uh, when they told me the story of Billy Joe in 2011, uh, the the best way I could describe it is I just felt a, a, a conviction, like a feeling that like, you know, not a lot of journalists were coming to Loosedale, Mississippi, very small rural town uh, in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the the actually where Billy Joe's family live is Bendale, Mississippi, which is even smaller um, and even more rural. Uh, and I felt like, you know, there wasn't going to be a lot of journalists going there. So this story um, probably wouldn't be told if I didn't tell it. Right, right. And so that was kind of like how how I I got on it. And and also, you know, like I, I um my father uh is uh just raised me with all of these uh I don't know what you would call it, but I, I don't want to say morals, but foundational ideas, right? And, and one of them is like giving your word. Uh you mm-hmm. give your word to somebody, you know, you you gotta come through. And so I gave these people my word and I just felt you know, convicted that I had to tell the story. You know, that that's very interesting. You described where you grew up and then you, you described the uh, circumstances of your community in, in Florida and uh, how that operates. And I, you know, it, it's sad that I must say that, you know, I grew up in Indianapolis, Indiana and the circumstances that you described, unfortunately, I don't believe no, know any particular geography if you're a, a black person in America. I I, I hate to say that because yeah, that sounds yeah. like such a global statement. Um, but one of the other things that you mentioned, I mean, you didn't want to say moral, you didn't want to say all that, but you know, you're, you're a, uh, you know, you're a PK, you're a, a preacher. <laughs> I am. Okay. So, I'm very much a PK. And so as you use the word and, and, and try to, to, to find ways around that, you know, and you use the word conviction, and I have to say that, you know, when something tugs at our heartstrings uh, on that measure, your father would call that a calling. Yes, absolutely he would. Absolutely he would. I, um, Which would, at the he, very least uh, includes conviction. You cannot have yes. a calling without conviction being a part yes. of that. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to explore that a little bit, man, uh, because I, I find yeah, that yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, I think if you listen to the series, uh, you will hear, um, you, you'll hear a lot of my dad and like what I ra- was raised in, and a lot of like what I believe as far as like you know uh, God and 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 my religious beliefs. But yeah, I think that um, you know, and when you're when you're a journalist, you're trying to. I don't believe that you're trying to push that aside. I think that like the 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 best journalists like embrace all of those things with an open mind and try to um uh you know and 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 use the, use those tools. And so I think that like one of the things that I wanted to do is that exactly what you said earlier about that like it it really isn't about geography. It's about growing up black in America and the realities that black folks face. And I think that that's also what I really wanted to do in this story because while it is very much about Billy Joe, it is also about um Mississippi, it's also about America, it's about black the 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 burden that black folks carry in America uh, and how, you know, like there are 
a lot of white people that worked on uh, Billy Joe's death investigation. And I would say to you that like, I think a vast majority of those people were not out to cover anything up or to, to, um, to, tr- to, 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 you know, make it all go away. But what I do think is that you had a group of people who don't have the same experiences as black folks do. And so therefore, when they see this case and how they should go about handling this case, they don't think about it the same way that that black folks do who have the weight of history. You know, white people can pretend that they don't, but black people have no choice. We have to carry it. Right. And so I think that, you know, what this was very much about was um, was diving deep into that and trying to understand, like, why did Billy Joe's family feel this way and why did this case really call out to me? Um, and it's because like of our shared experience of being black people in America. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's amazing, uh, because, because, you know, in, 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 as you just identified certain, again, other key components, the one thing that I want to ask is, uh, how does this, or how did this experience of actually following through and do that? I want to, I'm more interested right now in in exploring your own personal growth on that moral side because again um you know as a journalist as you you know you you want mm-hmm. to present a, an unbiased uh, sort mm-hmm. of thing but yet at the same time there has to be some moral center of sorts sure and, yeah. and so how does how did that experience of going through that and producing this piece, uh, uh, how did that affect you on that yeah. deeper side, uh, your internal self, your soul yeah. self, your how? What did how, what level of transformation, or what did you walk away with after having done it? Because you are absolutely right. A lot of people uh, will walk past these kinds of stories because it's, you know, nobody wants to peel that onion back. You're also correct when you mentioned that perhaps white folks didn't, you know, sort of gang up and create this, you know, mm-hmm. to, to do something intentionally malicious. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. through the conditioning of America, it becomes a normal way that we process these kinds of cases with these kinds of people. And right. this, and, and, and it's unconscious because it's what we what is called normal. I just had a show uh, 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 recently, and we were talking about um, the um, uh, health conditions that challenge black people in America, and and what that's all into. And um, you know, uh, the woman that I was interviewing said, you know, everybody's talking about we need to get back to normal. We get to back to normal. She says we don't want to go back to normal because normal killed us. Yes. Yes. We it is, you know, the, you know, like a new normal. New. I, right. I we want, we want new. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think she, I think she's a hundred percent right. I think that racism is a machine that is self-correcting and, um, uh, or not self-correct, excuse me. I think racism is a machine that, um, that needs nobody to run it. It, it, it completely runs on its own. It, it figures out what it's on autopilot. It figures out how to conquer anything that gets in its way. And what we as a society have to do is we have to dismantle it, it which is something that like, I think people just have to understand is that like, if we do nothing, the machine will continue to run as it always has. 
It will, it, it doesn't need anybody to like fix it or to do, it will figure it out. Um, partly because the machine is also tied to capitalism as well. And capitalism is always about the bottom line. And, and, and so like, it's, it's a vast thing that, that in order to fix, we have to dismantle. I, I would say that like, um, you know, the, the, the journey that I went on, how it, how it affected me, I guess the, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that like, it affected me in, uh, it's, it, 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 it hurt. It's, it's a hard thing to work on, um, to, to work on a story about a young black man who literally could have been, um, who could have been my, my, my nephew could have been, you know, um, could have been my kid could have been, you know, like all of those things. Like, uh, it was hard. It was hard to like, look at like the systematic, uh, uh, you know, inequality that happens in, in Mississippi. I mean, I went to visit Billy Joe's grave and there's no marker. Um, there's just like old, um, uh, artificial flowers that have been put there, but there's no marker for, for, for this young man. Uh, his mother who died like a year or two after he did, uh, and the family would say that she died from a broken heart. She doesn't have a marker on, on her grave. And it just, um, it just infuriated me. It, 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 broke my heart open. Um, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, when I think about like how hard it was for me, I always, I always want to reflect that like, you know, this is hard for me, but like, it is infinitely harder for his family. You know, like they've had to like hold this stuff for, for 10 years. And, and you know, that's why I did, uh, that's why I did this, the, the investigation and the family, um, you know, they weren't happy with everything that we found because, you know, they're questions that can't be answered, but they are definitely happy that we did the investigation because they feel seen by it. And to me, like, you know, I, and, and this is another thing that comes from my, you know, Baptist up, upbringing, like mm-hmm. there is power in bearing witness. You know, there is power in like saying, like, I see this, I see you. Uh, and, 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 and I stand in solidarity with you, you know, that like, this is hard. I I think that also what we tried to do in this series is to really like, I think the one thing that journalists love to do is that like, we're, we're not biased and we're just going to give you the facts. And the truth is that like, especially when it's dealing with race in America, like we all have stake in it. And so, uh, and, and especially like white reporters who report on race issues, they have just as much stake in it as black folks do. It's just that when black folks report on it, we automatically think, well, they've got stake in it. And white people, it's like they get to be neutral. They don't. They're, they're, they're not neutral. None of us are neutral. We all bring stuff to it. And right. so for me, it was really important that in this series, I was honest with the audience. And I told the audience, these are the experiences that I've had that make me see this this way. And mm-hmm. these are the experiences that my co-reporter, Jonathan Jones, had that makes him see things this way. And we're just really honest about it. We have arguments about it. We, 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 we come together about it. Um, but I think it's super important because it is removing that myth that journalism has that honestly everybody knows to be untrue. Everybody knows deep down that we all carry stuff. We just don't talk about it. Right. And I think... Um, for me, I just wanted to be like open and honest as possible 
and let the audience make their own decisions about how they were going to consume the material that we created. Um, but not try to hide um, anything, not go in there and just be like, hey, like I'm a, yeah, I'm a black guy, but that doesn't really matter in this case. No, it does. It does. And yeah. just like, oh, hey, Jonathan's a white dude. And it does matter in this case. Who so those were the white. things that we happens kind of brought to be to black. It's happens like, to be white. Right. Like, it just happens to be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's who I am. <laughs> it's who I am. And it's why I'm here. It's why right. I'm doing the story, you know? Right. So right. so for us, like that was super it was really important to 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 lay that stuff out. Well, okay, so so now I want to back up and let's just talk about let's mm-hmm. sort of walk through that process. So we know that mm-hmm. you made a a personal commitment around mm-hmm. 2011 to the family that you were going to do this thing, and at the time and for several years you were not uh, equipped with the mm-hmm. kind of resources necessary to to pull this off and to really do mm-hmm. it justice, as as I would say. But uh, so. And then it takes a while, and then you come across the reveal uh, uh, group, and yeah, suddenly now there's the ability. So, kind of walk us through, um, sort of the, the uh, whether it's the assembling of that team, how you rolled this thing out, how you were able to. And again, I'm not talking about just the, the sort of the technical aspects, but we're talking about buy-in. We're talking about sure people yep. that yeah. can be. You know, you have to sell it first. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, totally, totally. Well, it's, it started when I first learned about it in 2011. Um, the organization that I was with, and I should say, like, I keep saying the organization I was with, um, it was my little show that I had on NPR. Um, I, I, I was, I was the boss of the show. Like I ran it, um, but we were super, it was called state of the reunion. Um, and we traveled the country telling stories about community. Like we, we, we tried to look at America from the ground up, um, which is how we ended up in Mississippi. Um, and so, but that show and that, that it was my first thing in journalism. Um, and that show was not equipped to do big investigations. So when I first found out about it, um, I reached out to all the shows that I knew that did do big investigations and nobody would, got back to me. Um, then, like over the corresponding years, like I would try to like look into it. I didn't really have the money, as our little show was so small. I didn't really have the money to just go to Mississippi and look around for you know a couple months. Also, you know, to be honest, I didn't have the skill. Like I was really just getting started as a journalist. Okay. Um, and then in 2016, I went to the Center for Investigative Reporting that was creating Reveal. They hired me to be their first, the, the first host. Um, and I wanted to do the story, and I started talking to people at Reveal. It took a long time to get anybody to like really buy into it, um, mostly because like we were just starting a whole podcast and trying to get weekly shows out and all of that stuff. So everybody's attention was focused on that. Um, but at some point, uh, I got a little bit of money to go to Mississippi, Reveal found some money for me to go to Mississippi. They gave me a co-reporter, Jonathan. Um, and then we started digging into it. And Jonathan was great because Jonathan, like, uh, we, we work as a great team because like what uh, what I'm good at, 
he's not as as good at and what he's good at i'm definitely not as good at so like right. you know he he definitely filled my deficiencies and i filled his yeah and so yeah yeah we 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 complemented each other really well he's good at finding people he's good at um um like going through documents. I mean, he will go through hundreds of pages of documents and highlight stuff. And I, I, I you know, I can do it, but not as fast as he does. Right, um, right. So he was just, he was great. So he found people, he got documents and then we uh, went to the family. And then when we finally got to the family, we found out that the family had, uh, you know, a treasure trove of documents. And then that's when I came in, which, which like, I really like, work the family connection and really help build trust. So they gave us those documents. Um, and then after, once we got those documents and we had all the audio tapes, then we presented it to, um, you know, the leaders of, of reveal of the center for investigative reporting, and they gave us the green light to start making it. And then at that point it was, you know, it took us three years because it took us a really long time, how to figure out how to tell the story. Um, I was really clear that this was not going to be a true crime podcast. And it was, I think that like it, it took people a little bit of time to try to wrap their head around what it was I was actually trying to do. Um, but probably like two years in, uh, after we had gathered a lot of work, I just kind of like walled everything off and went into my little lab and made a draft of the first episode. And that draft a lot of that is still became the actual first episode. Um, but what it did was it kind of showed the whole team, like what was in my head and how I wanted to do this story. And so once we did that um, and, and figured it out, then we kind of got on the roll and started making more episodes and pulling things together and stuff. But yeah, it, it took a while. It took a while. And you know, it, it, it's a, huge expenditure for the center for investigative reporting so you know there was definitely like times when because we're not you know cir is not a huge organization doesn't it it, i mean it has like it's a medium-sized newsroom um so devoting this kind of resources to something and this kind of time is a lot so it took a bit to like get everybody to check off on it but I, i it wasn't because people didn't believe in me or didn't believe in the story. It's more because like resources are, are, you know, especially in journalism today, they're, they're getting slimmer and slimmer. So, you know, we, we, but we figured it out and we, we made it work. And, um, you know, there was definitely, it was this by far is professionally the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was telling a friend of mine, um, I don't know if I'll ever do it again. But I also like, (laughs) I told my friend that like we were having a conversation. I was like, Hardest thing I've ever done. Can't imagine doing anything like this again. Like I, I feel like I have, I've, I've done what was laid on my heart to do, and I'm good. And then also in that conversation, <laughs> I said, good. To, "I'm good. I'm good." In the same conversation, ten minutes later, I told my friend, "But you know, there's this story." that I looked into and nobody is telling it. And I think if I think I could tell this and he was like, Oh my God. Yes. But also didn't just 10 minutes ago, you say you were, you were good. (laughs) So it's like, you know, the, the, the engine of my desire to, uh, or rather like, it's not even, I wouldn't even say it's the desire. It's what it is, is that, I feel like we are living in a world 
that is falling apart and crazy. And if I don't do something to try and help, then I feel like I am part of the problem. It's like, you know, it's like, so it's, I have to do something. Uh, And I don't necessarily, it's not something that like, I feel like, oh, I want to do. It's more like I have this conviction on me that says like, you see that you can't sit in your room and not do something, you know? And you you cannot unsee it. Once you can't unsee it. Once you see it, man, it's like, oh, you know, I, I, um, over, you know, when I launched my podcast, Bill Myers Inspires, uh, was right after sort of the George Floyd thing. And I was mm-hmm, absolutely mm-hmm. compelled to jump in. I, I had thought about, uh, because when pandemic hit, I was sitting around and, uh, you know, everything dried up, ev- everything mm-hmm. on the calendar. And I was like, okay, now, now what? And, uh, mm-hmm. As I sat in that space doing some soul searching, I, I realized that, you know, podcast was was kind of on a list uh, at the top of a list that I had to abandon probably about 10 years ago because I became caretaker for my mother and uh, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. life changed. And but at this time I'm sitting there and I'm going podcast jumps back up. Well, what would I talk about? You know, I can talk about music much like you. I mean, I, I have a varied background and <laughs> a lot of you know, mm-hmm. music, professional musician, professional actor, blah, 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 you know, so, so mm-hmm, I can talk about mm-hmm. entertainment, I can talk about music, I can talk about culture thing. Uh, and then the George Floyd incident jumped off. And once that, the George Floyd murder occurred, let me clarify. Mm-hmm. And so when that happened, it did um, sort of zone in and I went, okay, I need to get in this conversation on racism in America. I'm biracial, so I already know mm-hmm. There's there's a story that I haven't even, I haven't really peeled the onion on, but nonetheless, this mm-hmm. felt, made me feel like I this was the topic, S- social justice, racism in America. That's what I'm going after. Uh, it felt right, but I've got to tell you, during that process, and doing those shows and hearing week after week and diving into these these stories and historic this and that, man, there's some times where you just the beatdown is rough. I mean, yep. I sat in silence with just like, yep. uh, I feel sick to my stomach. Uh, can yep. I continue this thing? But the b- more burning question was, can I, what happens if I don't continue? Exactly. This? Exactly. Like, what is it that like you feel inside yourself if you don't keep putting one foot in front of the other? Yeah, right. I know and, it. And so, and if not you, then who? Who? Exactly. That's the, that's the thing. So that's the thing, man. It's, it's, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's like, um, because you see all this stuff happening and you, um, you just, you just want to figure out how you can be a part of making it right. And, um, and that's a heavy, heavy, heavy thing to carry, but also a necessary thing to carry. Because like if 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 people do not have that connection with other people's pain and struggle, we're never gonna move forward as as not not just as a country, but as a, a human race. Like we will Absolutely. be extinct. This Absolutely. earth is gonna do fine without us on it. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's yeah. like it's about us. Like we've got to figure out us. So, Absolutely. yeah, man, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, again, I, I I have enjoyed it. It's interesting. I have not 
uh, been exposed. I'm not a part or or a a a, a fan of the the investigative podcasts sort of stuff. My father's a police officer for years, so it's mm-hmm. cop shows, and I, I watch it on TV. You know what I mean? All yeah. the, the you know. Uh, uh, the last 48, you know what I mean? Or yeah, first yeah, 48 yeah. or something like that. And and get great satisfaction of of the the storytelling and the unraveling of that. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be a police officer, but I was always fascinated with the investigation. I was mm-hmm. always fascinated with the legal part of that, you know, because the lawyer or the prosecutors or what have you have to go in and present, tell a story. That mm-hmm. part always yep. intrigued me. How do you tell this or, you know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and convincingly, you know, be able to to um, persuade uh, folk to see it a certain way. You know, that that's fascinating. Yep. Um, yeah. But I do know that, um, uh, again, I was unfamiliar with this genre as it relates to podcasts. And uh, but I, I, I know when I was listening to the show, I was reminded of um, old radio shows. I was reminded of back in the day when that was the thing were radio shows and, and yeah. how you guys have treated that. I found myself going, wow, this is, I remember enjoying as a little one, the, some of the old radio shows that were still on the radio, Ellery Queens, minute mysteries and things mm-hmm. like this, where I was like, I'd listen, man. And you know, they had the sound effects guy and the, the, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the hall, clip, clop, clip, clop. And, yep. and when I was listening to your series, it reminded me of that. I don't mean to be in. No, 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 no. We would try and do that though. But I felt like I was, I was alongside you guys walking through this journey. And so, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's difficult to achieve. I mean, I, I know as a storyteller, these, these types of things are difficult to achieve. So I, I applaud you on, on the, the, the final product and getting there because it very much brings the, the listener right in to thank that you. space. Um, and so, yeah, congratulations on that, man. Cause that's, thank you. Thank you. That's, that's one of our, our, that's our biggest thing is that like, I, um, I wanted the audience to feel like they were in Mississippi. I wanted them to feel like they were with us every step of the way. And so, you know, we pulled out all our bag of tricks to make sure that, you know, I'm I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because it just tells me that we hit what we were trying to do. Oh yeah, man. I was, I was, I was totally wrapped into it and, and uh, you know, ready for the next episode and, and so on. So it did I, everything it's supposed to do as opposed to me getting through one and going, I'm done with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I just want you to know if, if, if the goal is to, to, to captivate and hold the people in that place, it certainly did that for me. So again, congratulations on that. You know, I think that's Thank fantastic. You. So Al, you know, there appears to be lots of buzz on this series and this work of Mississippi Goddamn that you've done. And to, you know, tell us a little bit about what all the wonderful things that have come about as a result of this. I mean, what kind of good news can you share with us? Well, I, I mean, you know, don't have a whole lot of good news. I would say that like there definitely was a lot of conversation about the the series in Mississippi. Um, and, um, there's definitely been some, uh, the family is trying to raise money now to, to get a lawyer, to help them, you know, get the case reopened. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that has happened is that like, there's been a lot of, uh, awareness as far as like people talking about the case and that Billy Joe's name is like out there. I think that one of the things that the family felt really strongly was that Billy Joe was kind of going to be forgotten 
Um, and so I think that that is, is a, a huge plus. I think, you know, the hard part of it is, is that reopening the case means that officials in Mississippi who may uh, have some tie to the case would have to like actually uh, do something to get the case reopened. And so I feel like that is, it may be hard. I think on the, uh, probably the best bet for it to be reopened would be like the federal government to look into it. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've heard through different people that like, it's been brought to their attention, but like they haven't contacted me. So I don't know anything about that. So, so it would be like you, department of justice or something like that to take. Yeah, exactly. Case. Like the, okay. the DOJ would have to come in and, and or, or could possibly come in. So, okay. you know, I, I think that the, the biggest and best thing about, you know, what's happened is that, um, or us doing this story is just that like the family feels like they were finally heard. Uh, it doesn't mean that they feel like this should be the end of it. But I think that, you know, for them, um, you know, I talked to Billy Joe's sister like a couple days ago and she was just telling me, like, you came down here and you did exactly what you told me you were going to do. Um, and so that um, that feels good to, to, to hear that, you know, that that promise that I made way back um, was was fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's fantastic, man. And 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 really, at the end of the day the impact in Mississippi and the possible movement um, towards re-examining this, I mean, I, I guess is the ultimate uh, yeah. view, you yeah. know? That's, that's what we're, we're hoping for. Whether, you know, I mean, again, like I think so much of the series was about how Mississippi is hard. It's a hard state um, when you're dealing with issues of, of, of race um, and, and how you can get, positive outcomes from it. It's, it's, it's complicated. It's hard. So, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, many, many years ago, I was doing some reporting in uh, New Orleans and I did a story on this uh, Episcopalian priest named uh, Bill Terry. And Bill was great. Uh, he puts up this thing in, um, uh, gosh, what was the neighborhood he was in? The Treme. He's in the Treme na- uh, neighborhood. And so he would put up this thing called the murder board. And on the murder board, he would put up uh, names and ages of people who died from gun violence in New Orleans uh, over the years. And so the murder board is huge, pretty big. Mm -hmm. And um, his point is that, like, it doesn't matter, like, who who they were, what they were doing. What matters is that they were human beings and that their lives were lost. So he didn't differentiate between a businessman who got murdered versus say someone who was dealing drugs who got murdered like all the same we're all people and like let's memorialize them right and uh and it's just it's a beautiful thing and i went to him and i asked him like you know hey man can you tell me like what has this done for the neighborhood can you give me some metrics some way to measure like the impact that this has had and he was like no absolutely not like i i don't even track that because like that's not the goal the goal is um, to memorialize these people and to uh, to say that they mattered and that they were here. And it's not about, um, like for him, it was not about like uh, outcomes, but it was about doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And I think so much about like the Billy Joe Johnson series and what we did and I, I don't know uh, what all could come from it, but what I do know is that, like, 
it was the right thing for me to do. It was the thing that I had to do. And I did it the best that I possibly can. Um, and, and that his life mattered and, and that we should know that his life mattered and we should know like all the threads that comes from that, you know? Yeah. 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 If you gathered all the, you know, all the filmmakers and producers, you know, in the nation, man, they would probably mm -hmm. be busy for yeah. the next 200 years. If we were to yeah. take, you know what I mean? Take a moment yeah, yeah. and just acknowledge that yep. these people mattered and that they were yep. here, you know, uh, because everybody has a story and it's absolutely it's a compelling absolutely. story, right? Absolutely. So, you know, again, I applaud you on the effort because, um, you know, I find it to be a very compelling podcast. And uh, again, the work is, is very fine. So again, I, I say that. So my big question, what mm -hmm. is next? Ooh, that's a big question. Um, I would say, um, well, for Reveal, we, we have already started on a new series. Uh, it's called uh, After Ayotzinapa. And Ayotzinapa uh, uh, is a, a school in Mexico and 40-some-odd uh, Mexican um, college students uh, disappeared. And so we like look into that and what happened to them and, and all the ways that it was with the government. Um, uh, a great producer is leading that one, uh, Aniansi Diaz Cortez, and um, so that's that's the next thing for reveal. Um, we've got a, a year of of uh, stories and ideas planned. Um, I am taking a little bit of time to kind of think about my next thing, but I think you know the thing that I want to do with my work is um, I want to point at the systems. Um, that we have here in the United States and uh, and how we think about those systems and how they affect us um, and, and and obviously thinking about them from a, a point of view of you know uh, as being a black man in America um, and so there's a story that I'm beginning to look into um, and, and you know like I think uh, Mississippi Goddamn is great because like we hit the South right and I think the next one that I want to look into is a story that happens, you know, in the north, um, in a uh, the north in a northern city with, you know, young black people and police officers again. So, um, but I'm at the very beginning of looking at that, um, right, and trying right. to figure that stuff out. So that's kind of uh, where I will start. I mean, again, this is probably a, a you know, to do this idea in my head right. It's probably another two years, you know, because investigative stuff takes time a lot of a lot of stuff you got to you know pull out so that's the next thing right right we'll, well see hey well congratulations and i certainly like i said i really enjoyed mississippi goddamn and i so look forward to whatever your next thing is so al letson you're on the radar now so my friend thank you sir <laughs> Well, next, next, next time, like we will, we will sit down and talk about it again. Absolutely. And I look forward to that, man. So again, it's, ha it's a pleasure having you on the show today and I wish you nothing but the best. Same to you, brother. Good to talk to you.